Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, we are continuing our, this is really our last of our four-part series on the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so now we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this morning. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and the guys will bring one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. A quick announcement before we get into God's Word. Stephen and Hazel are celebrating their one-year anniversary being married together. So congratulations, you guys. <laughs> Hazel has just gotten back from visiting family in the Philippines, and uh, she almost didn't make it back because of that volcano that was erupting over there. And so, I mean, praise the Lord. I, I think of that, some of the movies out there, you see the plane taking off and the volcano erupting behind you. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I made it. Yay. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to be jumping around uh, all of chapter 14, but let's just read the first 12 verses uh, together as we uh, uh, begin the study this, this morning. Starting in verse 1, Apostle Paul writes, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than you, more than that, that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than, than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are maybe so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. The title of my message this morning is, What is the Gift of Tongues? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together this morning to have your word open on our laps, knowing, Holy Spirit, that you are here to give us not only information but application in our life, that we might draw closer to you, that we might understand you, love you in a greater capacity than we already do. Father, we do pray if there's anyone here that has joined us that has yet to surrender their heart and life to you, they're not born again, Lord, would you especially touch their heart today that them see their, their need for you, Lord, and that they return to you this morning. Bless our time together, we pray. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, it's been said you can be an employee at Lowe's and still shop at the Home Depot. You can consider yourself a card-carrying Democrat, yet at times vote for Republican. You can be at church this morning and be a Tennessee Titan fan. It's dangerous, but it's possible. When something like that happens, it's called an anomaly. It's an out-of-character. It's abnormal, but it's possible. 
uh, and you can be a charismatic, exercise spiritual gifts and be filled with the Holy Spirit and yet still be carnal and selfish and fleshly. Sadly, this church in Corinth was, was proof of just that. We call them, if you remember from last week, charismaniacs. Here is the problem. If you attended the church in Corinth, you would see and hear gifts of the Holy Spirit moving in their midst, but you would be confused by their exercise of these gifts. All of them were speaking in tongues at once with no interpretation, and those with the gift of prophecy were interrupting others with the gift and constantly during the service. It was chaotic. And the problem was there was disorder in the church service. The gifts of the Spirit, they were in operation, but they were being abused. That's why Paul, if you look at verse 40 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. He gets to the bottom line there. That's important, and we'll look at that in a moment. But that's the reason Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And we looked at this last time, how the spiritual gifts are in operation for today. And we looked at some of those, specifically in uh, verse 8 of chapter 12. We read, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge, the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the work to give miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And I encourage you if, you, if you weren't here last week, go online, get the podcast, listen to them. Because we saved uh, this last part, the, the different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues for this morning. Really, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the Bible's fullest explanation of the most controversial gift, that of speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And after first service, I've talked to people, they all have had some sort of experience with it that I've talked to, and maybe you've had as well. You know, I always kid, you know, I should have bought, I should have bought, I should have bought a Honda. That's not speaking in tongues. You know, or uh, I'm selling my, selling my, selling my Toyota. Okay, that's not speaking in tongues. Not the gift of speaking in tongues. Maybe you've, you've never heard about it. And that's okay. We're going to look at it this morning. And if you're taking notes, we're going to see three things about it. We're going to see, number one, the beginnings. Number two, it's purpose. And number three, it's practice. Number one, it's beginning. We all know that the gift of tongues happened on the day of Pentecost. Over in Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 11, the first instance of the use of tongues is recorded. Verses 4 through 6 says this in Acts chapter 2, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then in verse 11 of Acts chapter 2, it says of those who heard, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. See, the very first instance we see in Scripture of this gift of speaking in tongues involved the praising of God. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter was preaching the gospel to a group of Gentiles in Caesarea, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening. And it says there in Acts 10, 45 and 46, And all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. So we see that right off the bat, the gift of speaking in tongues was not just for the day of Pentecost. We also see that it was a way to exalt God, a, a way to speak of the wonderful works of God. 
Now, again, the problem with the Corinthian church is that the same problem we face today when it comes to the gift of tongues. There's a lot of ignorance over it. And I believe it's for the same reason that Paul starts chapter 14 looking at the gift of of tongues by saying in verse 1, we need to put love first. Like, look at verse 1 of chapter 14. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love means the idea of following after, pursuing to the point of wanting to catch it. See, Paul had just concluded in chapter 13, that great chapter on love. Paul is saying that has to be first and foremost in our lives. We have no business of claiming to know God and representing Him if we don't have His love in our lives. The way we treat others and then the way that we live will determine this. And this especially goes with the controversy concerning spiritual gifts between our charismatic friends, those who believe the gifts are for today, and our cessationist friends, those who believe certain gifts ended with the apostles. I can have fellowship with, with believers who do not believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. And I can have fellowship with those who believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, uh, as, as laid out in God's Word. Now, I may disagree, but, but, but God has called us to love. I love the way Pastor Chuck uh, puts it so clearly what we at Calvary Chapel believe and teach when he wrote these words in his book, Living Water. He wrote this, We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the Scriptures and that they are valid for today if they are exercised within the Scriptural guidelines. We as believers are to covet the best gifts, seeking to exercise them in love, that the whole body of Christ might be edified. We believe that love is more important than the most spectacular gifts, and without this love, all exercise of spiritual gifts is worthless. I love that. That is why, again, Paul starts out by saying, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, here's the point. If you speak in tongues, enjoy it. But don't despise those who maybe misunderstand the gift or don't have the gift or or don't think of yourself as spiritually superior if you do, because you're not. Instead, we just need to walk in love. If a person speaks in tongues, fine, as long as she she does it within the scriptural guidelines and context. If a person doesn't speak in tongues, that's fine as well. He or she can still have a very close, intimate, marvelous, spiritual relationship with God. But God wants us to know, God wants us not to be ignorant over concerning these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we should desire to have them operating in our lives uh, and and know what the Bible teaches about these gifts. Because when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have to go off of what God's Word teaches, not off of what we feel. Not, it's not based on emotionalism. Yeah, it's great to have a great emotional experience to be moved in worship, but it's a Word of God that, that changes our lives. It's been said it doesn't matter how high you jump, but how straight you walk when you hit the ground. Because you have the highest emotional experience when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but if you're not walking in the Word, It does you no good. Martin Luther put it this way. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. One of the greatest dangers of of Christianity and the church today is placing experience before Scripture or truth. That's often been the fault in the church, separating feelings and experiences from Scripture. Again, it's for that reason 1 Corinthians chapter 14 was written. But Paul devotes pretty much the whole chapter to clearing up this confusion over this gift of speaking in tongues. And this brings us to point number two, the purpose. When it comes to the gift of tongues, what's a purpose? I do believe the Bible clearly teaches that it is for today. 
I mean, we, we see it right away when Paul seeks to bring correction to the use of tongues in the early church. Look at verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 14. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So Paul is saying when it comes to the gift of tongues, the focus is on speaking to God, not to other people. I'm not going to walk up to you and suddenly speak to you in some other language and say that I'm using the gift of tongues. I mean, I think it would be really cool if I could. You know, I think of Wakas. I don't think he's here this morning. Wakas is from Pakistan. Oh, there he is. Hi, Wakas. I think of Wakas from Pakistan. I mean, I'd love to walk up to him and just speak Urdu or, or if I could Skype and share the gospel with the people there in Pakistan and supernaturally speak that language, it would be very, very cool. It would be a gift of miracles. It would be a gift of knowledge. But it would not be the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues are words spoken to God when you pray to God. In fact, the word for tongue here in verse 2 in the Greek is the word uh, glossolalia, meaning a tongue or language to speak, talk, chat, prattle, or to make a sound. It's speaking to God in another language other than your native language. Now, why another language? Well, think about it. Our English language is so limited. I've shared this before, you know, uh, for instance, the word that we have for love in English. Now, I love Andy's frozen custard. You know that. And I love my wife. Hopefully not in that order. There's just something about Andy's. No, I'm just kidding. But in the Greek, there's five, some say six different words just for that one word, love. So speaking in tongues, God gives us the opportunity to praise Him with more words than we actually know ourselves. Because of our inability to describe the beauty and the holiness and awesomeness of God and our language, we need another language. I mean, have you ever come to that place where your feelings are greater than your capacity to express them? Now, when I, I begin to think of all that God has done for, for me, uh, as nothing as I am, how awesome and holy He is. I suddenly come to the place where to express to God my thanksgiving and my gratitude. Language can be a barrier. It doesn't really express how I feel. It's inadequate. So God has given us this gift as a way to bypass the language barrier and enter into this full worship of who He is. My spirit now united with His spirit and a full unrestricted flow of my love and my appreciation of my uh, uh, expression to him of his greatness, of, of my love for him, of his glory, praise, and, and worship and serve. One man had said, when prayer reaches its ultimate, words are impossible. Paul puts it this way in Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Have you been in that place before? Oh, Lord. Oh, Oh, yeah, you just, it's like, don't have the words. Oh, Lord. So, Lord, helps me in my expression of the divine mysteries, the, the worship, the praise of my spirit unto him through the gift of tongues. Now, we also know that the gift of tongues is not always a known language. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a, no a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So this tells us that, that the tongues are either known languages of man or an unknown angelic language. I don't know what angels sound like. I don't know what language they speak, and I'm sure it's heavenly, I guess, you know. 
But that's why, again, Paul is very clear when he says the purpose of the gift of tongues in verse 2, for he speaks in a tongue, does not speak to men but to God. They're used to speak to God. Praise is to him and languages we, we may or may not understand, even languages not of this world, even angelic languages. I had a, an opportunity a few years back. We were having a, a worship service at a pastor's conference, and, and they asked us to, you know, to break up into three or four groups and just pray together. And, and one of the guys in the group, a pastor friend of mine, began to pray in tongues and, and, and praise the Lord. And, and it sounded to me like fluent Chinese. I, I don't know Chinese, but man, he was enunciating these words. I'm going, man, that, that is un, clearly, you know, the Chinese or some, some, you know, Asian language like that. And, and uh, now I don't know what he was saying, but I know this, it was praise to God. It was directed to God. And so it wasn't prophecy. It wasn't a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Those are different gifts. This was the gift of tongues that I happened to be listening in on. My point being is this. If you happen to be in a situation where someone speaks out in tongues and and another person who thinks they have the interpretation of that tongue, and we'll look at that gift in a moment, but if they say, oh, I think I have the interpretation of that tongue, and they say, uh, thus saith the Lord, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. Now that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. That person is speaking forth maybe a word of prophecy, Speaking forth God's word, Jeremiah 31.3, it's absolutely true, but it's not an interpretation of the tongue. Because again, tongues is speaking to God, not to men. Years ago, we were in, at, at my home church in California, and we had a, a night where, where people were using the gifts of the Spirit, and this older woman came and she spoke this really uh, long series of, of tongues, and, and pastors that were waiting on the interpretation of the tongues, and, and another lady prayed, and, and she was praying, and, and it wasn't the interpretation of the tongue. I'm going, okay, what's he going to do? And, uh, and just then, this little 11, 12-year-old prayed uh, to the Lord, Thank you, God, for, for the children, and thank you, Lord. And she prayed, and you knew that it was an interpretation of that tongue. Paul says uh, that you need to know the difference in verse 3 when he says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. I mean, doesn't the words, I have loved you with an everlasting love, doesn't that bring edification? Doesn't that bring comfort and exhortation? Certainly. Because it's a foretelling of, of the Word of God and it should bring that comfort to, to the depressed and to the downhearted and exhort and strengthen and encourage the believer and edify and build one another up. But see, that's why Paul says in verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Different gift than that of, of tongues. So is Paul saying then we should not speak in tongues? Not at all. In fact, Paul goes south on us in verse 5 when he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Again, if the gift of speaking in tongues were done away with as cessationists believed, then Paul would have made a reference to it right here and there. He would have said, I wish that you all, in the short amount of time that this gift is prevalent right now, that you would speak in tongues because it's going to go away before too long. He didn't say that. No, there's a purpose for this gift. Go on, look at at verse 5. Paul goes on, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For you prophesy is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now here in verse 5 we begin to see the importance of the interpretation of tongues. Different gift than the gift of tongues. The interpretation of tongues is the Holy Spirit giving you the understanding of tongues spoken by someone else or by yourself even though you don't know the language. 
And let me say, it's an interpretation, not a translation. Translation is a word-for-word transfer from one language to another. Interpretation uh, is something that goes farther, explaining the meaning regardless of the particular word spoken. Can't be a translation because uh, we we don't have the words to say in our own language in the first place. That's why it, it, it's a, a, a it, it's you know it's speaking tongues. I mean it's interpretation, where it, it, not word for word translation. But don't miss the point. In the church, the uninterpreted tongues do not edify others, but interpreted tongues do edify others. Paul says. And again, we go back to the problem in the church. They were all speaking in tongues. They were failing to wait upon the Lord for the gift of interpretation of tongues. And it was kind of a a free-for-all. So this brings us to point number three, the practice. Now, the gift of the interpretation of tongues is important if you are using that gift in the church setting. Drop down to verse 27 and 28 of 1 Corinthians 14 for a moment. Paul says in verse 27, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, apparently that wasn't happening. All they did Sunday morning was just a free-for-all speaking in tongues session. And, and, and you know, I've had people come up to me. Then they ask me, well, why aren't the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in your services? What they're really saying is, why aren't people standing up in the middle of service and speaking in tongues? Why isn't that happening? Or for that matter, why don't you start doing it from the pulpit? That's not the way the gift is supposed to be operated. If I am uh, up here speaking, somebody else stands up in the congregation and starts to speak in a tongue or starts to prophesy, they interrupt what's going on up here. That's a problem. I mean, does God interrupt himself? Of course not. God is a gentleman and the Holy Spirit speaking through me. He's not going to stop this way. If I'm utilizing the gift of teaching, God will not interrupt himself while I'm using that gift that God has given to me. Now, my response to people that ask me that is, what gifts do you have in mind? I mean, I hope I'm utilizing the gift of teaching. I pray. If I'm not, I shouldn't be up here. I hope I'm utilizing the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, speaking forth the word. I know there are people in the church at the same time using their gifts of helps and hospitality and, 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 and giving and so many others that are listed in the Bible right now as we are worshiping together the different gifts that go on during services. The fact is all gifts are in operation and God determines when and where they'll take place. Now, that's why Paul says back up to verse 6 now. He says, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. In other words, if I show up and just start speaking in tongues, what good does it do anybody? Now I have, and maybe you have witnessed firsthand the abuse of the gift of tongues based off of what we know so far. I mean, we know that God has given us the gift of tongues, and as that gift is for today, it's, it's, it's to be used by, by, for praise to Him. It's a gift of a foreign language or an angelic language speaking praises to God. It can be used publicly out loud only when there is an interpretation of what's being said. Yet it's better, according to God's word, to speak forth words of God by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, by teaching rather than by tongues. Now, with that said, I have been in services that Paul described here as well, where people just spoke out in tongues and, and stood up where we're singing in tongues and they were encouraged to do so without any interpretation. And Paul is saying, what does that profit? What good is that? I agree with him. 
If you've never ever watched TBN, you can often see a lot of this stuff going on. I'm not saying every program on TBN is, is like that. There are some really good programs on there that I've watched. Although this was one years ago that I watched, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? There's a gentleman on one side of the room, and, 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 and another gentleman, they're standing, all people were sitting around him, and, and the one guy was, was supposedly speaking in tongues, and he's saying, Hiawatha! And the other guy across the room was going, Hiawatha! And they're saying Hiawatha back and forth to each other. I'm thinking, are they reciting a poem? I mean, what, what are they doing? They thought they were speaking in tongues. I wonder if they knew what Hiawatha means. He has lost something. That's what it means. Maybe it's self-confession. I, I don't know. They lost their minds. But you see, Paul says in verse 6, If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you? And he continues with this scenario. Look at verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? See, there must be a distinction between the sounds in order for sounds to be of any value to the hearer. Musical instruments. They must make distinct sounds in order for you to understand the song that's being played. A military trumpet must make distinct sounds if you're to understand the order being given. I was talking to my son, uh, Joey, this morning, and, and he called my son, Matthew, who's stationed in, in uh, Washington, D.C., in the Marines. And Joey's figured out the, the, the Marine song on the guitar, their, their anthem that they play. Well, when, it, when you're in Marines and you hear that song, you've got to stay at attention. At attention. And so, so, I guess Matt was on the phone. They were FaceTiming, and Joey started playing on the guitar, and Matt immediately stood at attention. And then his roommate pulled in, came through the door, and he hears the song, and he's standing at attention. I thought, oh, that's great. <laughs> but it's the music, they, they understand that music means something. In the same way, you cannot edify others unless they understand what is being said. So likewise, Paul continues, look at verses 9 through 12. Unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Wanting the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving and operating in our lives is a good thing. But they're not to show both, you know, what gift you have. or Clearly, Paul says, for the edification of the church. And he goes on, look at verse 13. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. See, there, there's no benefit to the whole church, if the message of tongues cannot be given without its meaning. So what's the solution? Verse 15. What is the conclusion here? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So Paul is mentioning spirit uh, singing in tongues is a valid exercise of the gift of tongues. So whether you speak or sing in tongues, it needs to be interpreted if you're going to use that particular gift in an open church setting. And as, how wonderful as it may be to, to simply hear an utterance in tongues, Paul says it does not and cannot build us up unless we understand the praise that is being offered to God. 
with the interpretation, speaking or singing in tongues, it does edify. And that must be the goal of spirit-anointed speech in the church. Everything that is done ought to be for the building up of the whole body of Christ. Now again, there is these guidelines about uninterpreted tongues in public do not apply to your own private exercise of the gift of tongues. There's no need for an interpretation when you're home, in your prayer closet, and you're praising the Lord, speaking your praise to God. Now let me say this, and this may be controversial, according to God's word, not every believer has the gift of speaking in tongues. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 28-31. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles. Then gifts of all healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gift, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. In the original Greek, it's not a question, it's a statement. A literal translation, uh, though not proper English, would read, Not all gifts have of healings. Not all in tongues do speak. Not all do interpret. Listen, tongues are not a gift for every believer. It's not a sign that you are a Christian. It's not a sign that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's not even a sign of spiritual maturity. It is a gift distributed like any other gift to some members of the body of Christ according to the will and the working of the Holy Spirit. You can't learn how to speak in tongues. No one can help you learn how to do it by giving you certain words to release your faith. I've heard of people having their lips grabbed and moved around and, and, and so much freaking to just to move your lips okay, not, not try it. It doesn't work that way. It's a gift that must be given to you. And let me say this, tongue should never be regarded as the evidence of being in the Spirit or anything else. Love is the evidence. Tongues are just one of gifts among many. Jesus said, by, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. What? Did you speak in tongues? We need an interpretation of that right now. No. <laughs> he said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. That's what, what's evident of your relationship with God. Now what if I don't want to speak in tongues? It's not mandatory that every Christian speak in tongues and, and his or salvation certainly does not depend upon it. God's not going to force his gift on anyone. He's gentle and patient. If you don't feel comfortable praying in tongues, then don't. You can still pray effectively with confidence that God will hear and intercede in your prayers. But in the same way, don't neglect the gifts that God has for you. Ask for them. Believe that God wants you to have these things. Now, back to using this gift of speaking in tongues in church, Paul goes on to say that if you speak in tongues without interpretation, how can someone agree with what you're saying? Look at verse 16 and 17. Paul says, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So when someone uh, from the church in Corinth wanted to give thanks to God, Paul wanted the other believers to be edified, to be strengthened, and to be able to say amen. So be it. I agree with what's being said, what's being prayed. But if it was an unknown tongue... When would you know to say amen? <laughs> Should I say, say amen now? Or what are you saying? What did he say? I don't know what he said. You know, sometimes I think that goes for people who, who speak in a known tongue. Um, 
I'm leery of people that I don't know and they start to pray publicly. And I judge what I'm listening to because maybe it's not something I want to say amen to. So I may not agree with what's being prayed. The same is true for those speaking in tongues. How can you say amen to it? Now Paul is very careful to assure the believers that he's not against speaking in tongues if it's truly from the Holy Spirit and, and not acting in the energy of the flesh. Paul doesn't, doesn't deny the gift of tongues. In fact, look at verse 18. Again, he's got a southern draw coming out. He says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. says in verse 19. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul clearly had the gift of tongues. And he's not talking about a learned ability to speak various known languages. He's he's talking about a supernatural gift of speaking in a language unknown even to himself, a language of prayer and praise to God. He says he's exercised that gift even more than the Corinthians have, have, but not in the church. In the church, he would rather speak five words people understand than 10,000 words that people don't understand. Say, well, what's the purpose of the tongues then? You know, then what is the purpose of the tongues then in the church with an interpretation? Well, Paul goes on, verse 22. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. So he says, tongues are therefore a sign. Now signs, they're important today. I mean, we use signs all over the place. I don't think we could operate without them. You know, the most common use of a sign is to impart information. We need that. Hospital, next right. Uh, you know, do not touch, wet paint. Signs are used to advertise. You know, you get the big billboards now that look like big screen TVs up there. Signs, again, are more useful in the information they impart. For example, there's not one of us in this room whose heart hadn't been gladdened by seeing the sign restroom at just the right time. Now, other signs are not quite as welcoming. A sign that says, one way, do not enter. If you're going down that one way, you panic a little bit. Many signs are funny. Uh, years ago in New York City, if you've ever been there, they have a signs on the street that says, don't even think about parking here. Not Do not park, don't even think about it. See, there, signs are there to instruct and to impart information to us. And Paul writes in verse 22, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Remember, Paul said, if there's no interpretation, then people will think you're crazy. And that's true. Well, then how can they be a sign? Well, it's only with the interpretation. Don't forget what a powerful sign it was that the tongues were there on the day of Pentecost. And and, and the unbelieving multitudes heard it in Acts chapter 2. So, how does this manifest in the church? Well, the same way. Let me give you a couple examples. Pastor John Corson, many of you know who he is. He's Applegate Christian Fellowship, been a pastor for many years. He tells the story of a retreat that he went to. They had it in a place called the Lake Arrowhead Hilton in Southern California. Hotel rules dictate that the bar in the back of the conference room stayed open whenever it was in use. It didn't matter who was in there. So here's this bartender in the back of the conference room polishing the glasses while the Bible study is going on, then prayer, and then worship went on. Well, near the end of the meeting, a guy stood up and spoke in tongues. They all waited, you know, silently for the interpretation. When none was spoken, the guy leading the meeting said, We thank the Lord for that utterance, but since there's no interpretation flowing here tonight, that will be our only public utterance of the gift of tongues. Well, as soon as the meeting was over, the bartender walked up weeping, tears flowing from his face. 
He said, I must talk to the man who stood up and prayed. How does he know my tongue? I'm Iranian, and he worshiped the true and living God in perfect Farsi. That night, that bartender gave his life to Jesus Christ. So you see that tongues are still assigned to unbelievers. One more example. Early in the days of Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck Smith, he tells a story. He was overseeing the praise and worship time of the church service. A woman in the congregation began to praise the Lord in tongues. Chuck recognized it as French from the little that he could understand, but could not give the interpretation. His wife, Kay, who does not speak French at all, gave the interpretation a beautiful statement of praise to God. The woman had been thanking God for her new life in Christ. After the service, a woman who was an unbeliever, but who had come to receive counseling, said, before we get to my problems, explain to me what was happening tonight. Why did the one lady speak to God in French and the other lady translate to the group what she said? Well, Chuck explained that it had been a manifestation of the gift of tongues that neither of those women spoke a word of French. And the woman said this, I've lived in France for six years and that woman was not only speaking it fluently, but with the aristocratic upper class accent and the interpretation was perfect. That woman too received Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior that Sunday night. Now, if that Iranian bartender and that French-speaking woman had walked into a church where everyone was just speaking in all different tongues all at the same time, they would have said, you people are crazy. But because the gift of tongues was practiced decently and in order according to the boundaries outlined in Scripture, both were saved, God used the sign of tongues to unbelievers. But it came through the two gifts of operating together, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But one without the other doesn't benefit anything but the person speaking to God. Let me say one more thing about the gift of an interpretation of tongues. Not everyone has that gift. And it's not giving all the time to the same person. Maybe you've received a, a, a situation where you, you all of a sudden you know what this person is saying who's uh, speaking in tongues. And, and you use this gift and, 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 and you share it and, 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 and God does it. But you know what? That doesn't mean he's going to do it the same way the next time. And I believe God works that way because God will not be put into a box. He's not going to say, okay, every time someone speaks in tongues, you are the guy with the interpretation. It doesn't work that way. It's a gift that God given to certain people at certain times for the edification of the church. Perhaps he doesn't want to use you with that gift at this time. Maybe he wants to use someone else. And he's given them the interpretation because he wants to use them instead. I remember one of the first times of just uh, in an afterglow service, waiting on the Lord for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord laid on my heart a verse to share. And I sat in that chair and I argued with the Lord and I heard with myself. Well, that's not really the Lord. I just, that just verse just came into my head. I, I, I won't share it. I, I should share it. No, I won't share it. I'll share it. I won't share it. I'll share it. I think it went on for a couple of minutes, and then all of a sudden, someone across the room shared the same exact verse. Not okay, Lord, I, I, you were talking to me, and, and I didn't do it, and someone else did it, and so next time, I'll share. You know, you, you just learn. I've also been given the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Not always, but at times, someone will speak in tongues, and, and I will be compelled to speak out what was just said. I understand what was said. I, I communicated that. I may not have the, the whole interpretation at first because sometimes I've heard people speak in tongues quite long and, and someone else will, will give an interpretation and someone else and someone else and it kind of all goes together, begins to flow. There's one time here at the church, if you've been here many years ago, but, but we had an opportunity and someone spoke in tongues and the Lord gave me the, the, the interpretation of it. And I, I, I shared it, and, and you know we went on, and, and uh, after service was over, my son, who was hanging out, my oldest son, up in my office, he come downstairs, Dad, Dad, 
what you said he said was what was said. How do you know? Well, because God showed me that that was being said. Well, that's the gift of interpretation of tongues, Chris, and you, were, you heard it, and you should have been down here and, and used it instead of me. No, I didn't tell him that, but... There's been times where God has given me the first part and others the second part. You know, there's been times where there's been no interpretation at all. And at those times, as a pastor, I would say, you know, as, as John said, it would kindly uh, refrain from using the gift of tongues, seeing how there's no one with the gift of interpretation. Again, you can't have everyone speaking in tongues all at once, nor should you speak out in tongues without an interpretation. Give it a shot. Give it a try. Absolutely. And if we have an interpretation, that's great. Paul says in verse 23, he continues, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Of course they will. The answer is yes. Again, that's why we do not practice the gift of speaking in tongues Sunday mornings, because there's a mixed multitude that comes in here that attends Sunday morning. But there is a place for the gift of tongues and the interpretation. I encourage you the use of the uh, private use of tongues with or without interpretation. Is that scripture? It's scriptural, absolutely. I would encourage speaking in tongues and interpretation at smaller meetings that are prayer and praise and communion nights. I hope to give us that opportunity a week from Wednesday night when we do our prayer, praise, and communion, a time of waiting on the Lord. Again, for what purpose? Look at verse 26. Let all things be done for edification. Everything for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, if someone does speak in an unknown tongue, as we've already covered it, two or three at the most, Paul says, look at verse 28. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Same way, if someone stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord. Don't buy into it. <laughs> you know, it, 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 may, it may not be judge it. Is the Lord really speaking? Does it line up with Scripture? Now, some single guy says, Thus saith the Lord, you are the girl I'm supposed to marry. Girls, don't believe it, okay? Don't buy into it. Wait for the Lord to show you. You need to judge, is the Lord really speaking? A lot of people have gotten into trouble because they didn't judge supposed prophecies and a lot of weird things have been done because of it. But let there be two or three and let their others judge. He goes on, look at verse 30. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. In other words, let everyone have a chance to share what's on their heart. Now, I've I, been here for 20 years. I've, we've never had that chance where everybody's going at once. It's like, come on, someone say something. <laughs> Listen to the Holy Spirit. But, but he's saying there's a time where it's decently and in order. One more thing I want to look at when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's important. Look at verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Underline that. Circle it. Remember it. You have control over the gifts and the use of the gifts of the Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon you by force and make your body do things and act way out of control. But you see this gift, this abuse of the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you see someone rolling around on the floor on TV and, and, and shaking uncontrollably and, and laughing hysterically or barking like a dog, know that it's not of the Holy Spirit forcing that person to act that way. They're choosing to do that way for, for whatever know what's why. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you do something uncontrollable. The Bible says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what? Self-control. And here Paul says the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Why? Verse 33. Because God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. 
In other words, those things that are done in the church should not bring confusion. If it's confusion, then it's not of the Lord. Paul's final words of the gift of tongues drop down to verse 39. He says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. That's the failure in the Corinthian church. Disorder in the house of God, confusion. People were going there saying, man, they're crazy in there and, and they, for good reason. Again, as I said already, it's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when your feet hit the ground. Yes, there are spiritual gifts. They are for today. But if the focus is on the gifts and not the giver, then there's confusion. Our focus is on Jesus Christ. It's on exalting Him. Paul said in closing in verse 31, But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will, st- I will show you a still more excellent way. You know what that still more excellent way is? We looked at it already. It's love. It's love. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a, become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. The greatest gift given to us by God's Holy Spirit is the love that God has for us and for other people around us. The reason He's given us gifts in the first place is to use it to reach the lost, to reach those that He loved, and to encourage those that, that are saved. Listen, as we close, we have seen over the last four weeks, God has given us His Holy Spirit. He's given each one of us gifts of the Spirit to be used for His glory. The gift of, of speaking in tongues is a great gift, and there's nothing wrong with asking for that gift if you don't have it. Jesus said in Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Man, it's good to speak in tongues and, and give praise to God. Ask God for that gift. God has given us all sorts of different gifts in the body of Christ. I would encourage you, after looking at these things, pray about where God would want to use you with the gifts that He has given you. To give you an idea, let's say you, you feel called to teach, and God maybe has given you the gift of teaching. Listen, the only place isn't right here behind the pulpit. We have our children's ministry. We have our convalescent ministry. You know, the people go into the convalescent home and, and, and minister to those folks. They minister the Word of God. We have opportunities for the men's and women's studies that God could use you in one of those places. Maybe God's given you a gift of evangelism. We have our street witnessing ministry, our, our go team. They go to the streets and they share the gospel. You can use that gift of evangelism to lead people to Christ. Maybe God's gifted you with the gift of hospitality. You know, we have our, our usher ministry. We have our security ministry. It would be nice to add a parking lot ministry. I think we're going to need that in the new, new building. Maybe there's a ministry we don't have in the church and God is laying it on your heart. Then, then get going. Start it. Maybe visiting people in prison. God has given you a gift of extending mercy or the gift of helps. We have our wall builders ministry, helping people with work and repairs that need to be done around the house. We have what's called our loaves and fishes ministry, preparing meals for the sick or someone who has had a death in the family. Maybe you don't have the gift of tongues, but you can cook a mean apple pie. God can use you. That can be a gift of help to take someone who is hurting and show them the love that God has for them in a tangible way. Do you get the idea what's going on here? There's something for everyone. God has put gifts in our lives, and I would encourage us to pray and see where the Lord can use us 
in this coming year especially. And remember the greatest gift given to us was His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, rose again from the dead. And now His Spirit lives with us and He wants to use us to bring Him glory. And as we close, recognize as we move forward in 2020 with the Lord, that it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts, our verse for the year. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time this morning. Holy Spirit, thank You for being here and giving us understanding of Your Word. And Father, we do pray, Lord, that You would fill us with Your Spirit, have Your Spirit come upon us. Lord, we pray for these gifts. Maybe there's some here who would love and and long to have the gift of speaking in tongues. Lord, we're asking right now, Lord, if that's a gift You have for me, Lord, would You give me that gift of speaking in tongues? Lord, would You give me the gift of maybe interpreting tongues? Lord, would You give me... Make known to me, Lord, the gifts you have given me that I might use them to to edify and build up the church and to glorify you, God, in all that we do here at church. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the studies we've had. Lord, help us to, to put what we've learned into practice to bring you glory. And finally, Lord, if there's anyone here that does not have a relationship with you, they don't know what it means to be led by your Spirit. Right now that your Spirit is is drawing them to yourself, Lord, I pray that they would answer that call. They would open the door and invite you into their lives that they would be born again this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.